Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was sunblock from albany new york the song was called gun to your head and it's off of their new album sunday music which was released at the end of february got an email from these guys the subject sunblock is evan dando hardcore i see what they're going for i understand it makes sense i get it it's a good way to advertise too. It made me click on it. And I finally got around to sharing it with the rest of you. You know, I recently saw Evan Dando, the Lemonheads, and it was an interesting experience. Not good, but awesome. I think I talked about it on an episode in the past. It was interesting. And you know who else was doing the stage management, the stage handling, the stage wrangling, maybe? The Evan Wrangling, I should call it, was former Getting It Out podcast guest Josh Jerk of School Drugs. It was nice to see him up there, although we didn't realize we were both there until afterwards. Anyway, this isn't about them, Evan Dando or Josh Jerk. This is about Sunblock, and I want you to go check them out. This uh, this new album, Sunday Music, is available everywhere, 
I guess you could call it an EP. You can call it whatever you want, really. I don't know that it matters anymore unless it's uh, pressed physically, and I don't know if they are doing that, but I'd have to assume so. So you can go to their Bandcamp page. That's really easy. Sunblock.bandcamp.com. By the way, block doesn't have a K at the end of it, and it appears that sunblock is all one word. So that maybe be a little confusing, but don't worry. I'll put everything in the show notes, and you'll know exactly where to go. You know, honestly, the whole album is up available digitally for name your own price on Bandcamp. So you should go put a million dollars in there and uh, pay this band their money. Anyway, the song was called Gun to Your Head. Hope you enjoyed it. The rest of this episode is going to be a chat with Zach Moffat of Big Laugh. They have a new record called Consume Me out on Revelation Records. And we're going to talk all about that. But first, it's Hot Zone. Check it! If you listened to the last episode of the podcast, you would have heard an impassioned plea, a defense of stained North America's greatest rock band of the last 20 years. And you might have come away going, is he being serious? I'm going to answer that question for you right now. Figure it out yourself. Okay. I'm tired of doing all the work around here. I'm not answering your question. I'm going to leave it blank. I'm going to leave it unknown. But I think the evidence is in what I would what I presented. I don't think I need to say more. I don't think I need to do more. But if I'm being honest, that was probably the most fun I had doing anything with the podcast in a long time. I do pretty much standard stuff around here, it seems. It's, this is episode 285. And it's song, talk, intro song, talk, song, interview, song, talk, song. It's a formula. Okay. And sometimes I get tired with it. So it was nice to fuck around and uh, do what I did on that last episode. If you haven't listened and if you love stained or just one of the other, one of those things, you should go back and check it out. Also for the interview with no spill blood, interesting band out of Ireland, this band on this episode, not out of Ireland. They're from Milwaukee. They're called big laugh. I wrote a review about them, about this record, about their new record. Consume me out on revelation records for getting it out.net earlier in the year. It's probably the last review I wrote. I really fell off quick. I started off strong with writing reviews for the for the website and then I dropped off like a what's what's something that drops quickly. Um I don't know. Something heavy off the ledge. That's <laughs> that's the analogy I got for you. You get it. It's a metaphor. But my favorite one I wrote was for Big Laughs Consume Me, where I just compared them to Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. I combined my love of sports and hardcore into a record review. And a lot of it was nonsense, but there was a point to it, too. And I think I made my point. We talk a little bit about that point in this conversation with Zach. But mostly we're just talking Big Laugh as a whole, what they do, where they're going to do it, who they're going to do it to. So let's do that. Let's play that. But first, I should play you a song. How about we go with Mask off of Consume Me? Mask. 
real quick, before we get into Big Laugh, tell me a bit about you. How did you, real generic, but like, how did you find hardcore? Honestly, so in in my time frame, I'm 31, so I got into punk music. Honestly, the first time it really hit me was when I was in eighth grade. Uh, a friend of mine moved to Texas when I was in seventh grade. He came back the next year and he showed up with a red mohawk and a jean jacket with this like imported, like exploited back patch. And yeah. I was like, hey, what's up, dude? And I was like, yo, like what is this like what what are you doing like what is going on like i just wanted to know and like he was uh probably the first person who influenced me and in, in musically i mean before that i like one of the first cds i bought it's a really stupid story but i wanted to buy a cd i'm like you know dad can i can we go buy a cd i just want to get into my own music and uh <clears throat> so we went to target and uh there was two CDs that that interested me mostly because of the albums uh, covers, and that was some 41's "All Killer No Filler," mm-hmm. and then the other one was just the Gorillas self-titled or whatever. Right. But uh, the employee was like, "Well, the Gorillas has a parental advisory sticker on it," <laughs> so my dad was like, "All right, you're getting the some 41 one." Little did he know that's like probably more crass. Yeah, <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> than uh the gorilla cd so who knows what what kind of person i could have turned into if i got the gorilla <laughs> cd instead but but yeah like um this kid in uh eighth grade his name is rj and uh yeah he just started calling me all the time and just be like yo listen to this and just like put the phone to whatever he was listening to and um he just started burning me CDs. I'd go over and hang out at his house and his, him and his brothers were all into like things like alkaline trio, but he was also, his father was like an old thrash dude from the eighties in Chicago. So like, you know, he had an original copy of the disco sucks tour, which is like, it's like yeah. venom Slayer, and Exodus, I think. <laughs> and just an amalgamation of punk and metal and hardcore punk. Um, and but my own, my own, like, I started exploring my own taste when blog spots were around. So, like, mm-hmm. just any once I figured out how to use WinRare or whatever, yeah. like, I just started downloading it, anything that looked cool. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, growing up in, like, kind of a rural area of uh, Wisconsin, like, I, yeah, there was no one else after a while. So I just started kind of getting into it myself. But that was like the big reference point for me. It was like just meeting someone who looked like that. I was like, whoa, that looks really cool. Like being an introvert, it was like, oh, in a way to express myself and, you know, with my own, with, you know, outwardly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I, how I got into music. <laughs> That's very cool and uh, very relatable. I'm sure for a lot of people, but for, for myself as well, uh, it sounds like I'm about seven years older than you. And uh, <laughs> there are some, there's some, there's a lot of similarities in there. And uh, one of them is just having the kid show up just dressed like a fucking a real punk rocker. And, exactly. and I, I remember, I remember our school, a kid showed up for one year. He didn't make it a full year. He showed up uh, as like full skinhead. <laughs> 
And it was like, what the <laughs> hell is this? You know, like clearly this guy's racist. And then, yeah. and then I remember like another guy showing up that was like, a, you know, straight up punk guy and becoming friends with him and, you know, whatever. But, but also I think it's funny that you talk about going to buy music with your dad and the, the parental advisory sticker. Cause I remember that happening with me when I wanted to, I was so upset. I was pissed off at my mom cause she wouldn't, she wouldn't go to the register with me to buy the sublime self-titled cassette because <laughs> they wouldn't sell it to me otherwise. And I was just like, why, why the hell wouldn't you? Uh, which I think is also funny because I ended up getting like fun, loving criminals, which was like, you know, just about the same thing. And then the only other thing exactly. that, I'll say, that I'll say is the, the, the relatable. Oh, fuck. What was the last thing you said? I was going to say, yeah, just like, yeah, getting into music through blog spots too. And like, mm. there's no one else really around me. That's it. That was it. I just brought that up a couple episodes ago. I was talking to uh, Ryan who runs Hex Records. Mm. And I was asking him about about that time period when the blog spot thing was a big deal. Because I remember just downloading everything. Everything. What It didn't matter what the fuck it was. I just downloaded everything to check it out. And uh, that's the way it was back then. So that's cool. It's a nice little timestamp too. I, I think that's a much more brief period than we probably actually remember it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's crazy too. like, just kind of going back and like, you know, like some of the later ones that I, I found out a little later on, like blocked and quartered, you know, where the, that dude would like sit there and be like, yo, here's the infest discography. I remastered some of the live demo tracks myself. Like, just like, it was a real treat just to like get all the weird deep cut stuff, especially yeah. like back then. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a different time. Uh, I understand that why why people who run labels didn't like it, but uh, for everybody else, I mean, <laughs> if you're like me though, like I brought this up last time too, like behind me, I mean, other than all this liquor and stuff, we're doing a renovation. That's why all this stuff is back here, but it doesn't it doesn't actually usually sit right here. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you know, the room's full of records and and everything, and that's because I've been buying the whole time. I've never been like a strictly download person, but that was a that was a nice time um, to get all the free music you want, which is essentially the same way it is right now it's actually uh easier now so you know yeah if anything like bands get to just like promote it themselves like back then it was like the cooler blogs would be like hey i'm doing this like exclusive premiere of this demo or record or whatever and like bands would like sign off on it but now they just kind of do it themselves with like Bandcamp and yeah and just social media in general so yeah, it's weird, the the evolution of it all. But it's more convenient, maybe not better for the bands, for sure. I mean, you can speak to that. But uh, tell me about when when you started playing in, in bands. Um, so I, it's funny how I remember all these little stories, but I remember buying my first guitar. So when I, I was in I was in band, I was obviously wanted to do percussion, but in my public school at the time they had everyone wanted to do percussion. So I ended up playing trumpet and I got into little things like my father really was interested in like an eclectic taste of music, but he got me into like Queen and then he also got me into like Brian Setzer's orchestra for some reason. <laughs> like just stupid stuff. Yeah. But um but from you know, from like band from band geeks i would like slowly get into things like like jazz and like the the blue note records stuff but uh with punk rock um i bought my first guitar i was looking at this like really nice strat like mexican made strat at this like uh this place called music around from you know it's uh, i think it's all over but i 
distinctly remember being very Wisconsin to me, but I remember I was going to buy it, but my friend was with me at the time and he also wanted a guitar and me being the incredibly empathetic kind person that I was, I like used my allowance to buy him this like really crappy oh, highlighter, highlighter yellow guitar for like 60 bucks. And I ended up just buying this dumb, <laughs> like crappy flying V and uh, <clears throat> I would goof on that for a while. Um, and for some reason that kid, RJ, we would like try to start a band, but we didn't have a drummer, but the first like band that like was a real band that I recorded was with that kid, RJ, it was this band called flannel bastards, um, <laughs> very much in the, you know, build, build up trucker hats and flannels and like DRI and suicidal tendencies. That was probably the first time I recorded. And that was actually me on drums because, uh, luckily for me growing up, my father, um, allowed me to have a drum set in the basement where I, where I also uh, lived to be like, mm -hmm. he had like built out this room. And so I got to play drums all the time. And I, I honestly learned how to play drums just from listening to like, yeah, like bad brains and, uh, and I learned how to I learned how to blast from like listening to Charles Bronson when I got when nice. I you know, got nice. into them and um yeah that was probably the first band I, I did growing up uh it wasn't until my early 20s when I got into band uh bands that like did stuff hmm. um the first serious band I was in was a band called Falter it was like a crustier, grindier, hardcore band. Twas the style at the time. Right. And uh, played guitar, played bass, and then moved on to guitar because that's just been my main instrument for most of my life besides drums. And uh, did some touring with that. Those were my first touring experiences. Um, and then at the and then I did, I just I got kind of sick of the the that sound. I've always wanted to play like more heavier stuff or more hard like hardcore punk stuff so mm -hmm. i was in a few different types of weird bands here and there with just friends and then uh i moved to salt lake city for a year uh you know just just to do it i've i've always i was very nomadic when i was in my 20s and uh <laughs> when i moved back i started this band um called gang stalker <laughs> that gang was Stalker. very yeah <laughs> that was very uh fast hardcore punk uh, I played drums in that, but then, yeah, but then, um, with big laugh, I just met these kids who were like 10 years younger than me when I first moved back that I heard it was like, they were all in bands, punk and hardcore bands playing together. And I was like, sick, this is awesome. Milwaukee at the time, it was like the age range was very much just older people. It's very much a college city. So <clears throat> I met these kids just playing in bands together and, uh, one day we were just at a diner and I was like, all right, so what band am I going to join? What band am, are we going to play in together? And they had already kind of started wanting to do like a youth crewy type hardcore band. So yeah, I just met up with them, learned some songs and like, it's stupid as it sounds like the rest is kind of history. Like we had a little bit of a false start and then we played our first show and it was fun. And then immediately this uh person flipped from florida does this really cool label called invisible audio was like yeah i'll put, put out your demo and i was like mm -hmm. what like who puts out a demo from a band like from people that like i at least i didn't know like again everyone was younger so everyone kind of knew everyone at the time i was right. like cool whatever but yeah so like big laugh was the, the band that i finally got to be in where i'm like just it's just 
I get to be me and I get to have fun and uh, people have been incredibly receptive to it since the beginning. It's like after digging the trenches for like 10 years, I finally got something that like stuck and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been very fun and sick. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's a, it's a name, a big laugh is a name that I, I feel like I heard a couple years ago. So what, what, what's the actual year on that? When did this all start up? Um, I would say like in the summer of what is that? 2019, we were like, Oh, let's just play in a band together. Um, most everyone else in the band at the time was in this really cool, weird punk band called Mr. Which was like very, uh, I would call it nor- like Northwest Indiana style music, like bands like the Coneheads or, uh, uh, another, another band that I was thinking of that escapes me. But like, yeah, very much like sped up uh, new wavy right. riffs, but to a hardcore template. And uh, yeah, like we we were like having false starts and stops with it. But then after we accidentally, uh, not accidentally, but after we like ended up flaking on our first show, we're like, yeah, let's you, not do, how'd that. You do that. How'd you flake on a first show? We just like practiced a couple times and then like just kind of stopped for a while. Like, <laughs> we all have massive ADHD and are like, you know, like everyone else is way younger and are having fun being like young and dumb and just goofing off. And, uh, so it just, we were like, all right, we should like, we should like take this seriously. Let's like finish these songs. I wrote, you know, I came in and wrote two more, like, let's just write this, you know, write and record this demo and then like, we'll do this. So it wasn't long after that, uh, the singer drew, he booked that band hotline TNT and this DIY spot. And we were going to open. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I was very sick that day. So I was unfortunately in and out. Cause now like hotline TNT are one of my, like my favorite bands. And, uh, Will is like a very good friend of mine, but, uh, but yeah. And then just from there, like the, just the ball start, this just started rolling like immediately. We're like, okay, that was actually really fun. This is way cooler than any of our, uh, like other bands that we're doing right now. Like, let's just, let's just book a tour and see what happens. And like, we ended up booking a weekender with my other band gang stalker. Um, and that was really fun. And it was just one of those things where it was like, everyone in the band was very, we were just all friends and it like we were all friends before it and it just like made sense to just do this it was like the one thing we knew how to do and we have a good time doing it and everyone's like very caring and supportive and and soft with each other and like that's something i never like experienced in a band setting before so i was like yo like we should do this for me i was like like 20 Eight twenty nine at the time, I was like, "All right, this is probably like the last like serious band I could do <laughs> before I have to like, you know, stick to just having a stupid job the rest of my life." You know, so yeah. Um, so we just took it as far as we can, and yeah, now we just we do that now. It's yeah, it's it's been very fun. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, working out pretty well. You ended up on uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, hardcore record label to ever exist, Revelation, but. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about a little bit more about the beginning there. Did you guys have a discussion on what you wanted the band to sound like? Or was it just you got together and Big Laugh is what it sounds like? So, yeah, like when we first got together, they had a couple of record like phone recordings of uh, of the first two songs off the um, demo. 
And uh, I was like, okay, cool. This is like, yeah, youth crew, uh, youth of today, you know, kind of floor punchy and kind of uh, some of the like later Boston stuff. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, the big thing though is like, we're in just every type of punk and, and music in general, but like punk and hardcore. So I've never, I've never played in a straightforward band for the most part. And honestly, Big Laugh was probably the most straightforward band I was like taking part in. So when we were like writing other songs, I was also get you know, I was also like trying to throw in like, um, you know, that like mid to late 80s, like ABC No Rio scene or like the, the new breed comp stuff, like just mm-hmm. little things here and there. And and like I just remember I remember when we first wrote when I wrote uh, the song Imposter, which is the first track off our seven inch. I like in that song, there's a uh, uh, like, I'm you know, I, I, I'm terrible with music nomenclature, but like it was just more than a just a power chord. And I remember looking at them be like, all right, are they going to be mad at me that I didn't play anything that wasn't just a power chord? And they they loved it. And I was like, okay, cool. This is like who I am as a person. Like, and I can actually express myself that way. And so just from there, it's snowballed. And like, like I said, like we are all into like punk as well as hardcore and, and everything in between. So like being able to just like throw in little things here and there has been like, very invigorating and exciting for us as uh as band and 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 now that like the lineup has changed twice so um you know our drummer jesse he's really into bands like the descendants and dak nasty and like that kind of era of like more melodic poppier punk hardcore stuff and uh and you know during when we recorded uh the lp like uh mata he was the bassist like he's very much into like dbd hardcore and mm-hmm. and stuff like that and <laughs> you know for me i've always oh i've always liked uh you know i've always liked victor cara's stuff like and anything he does he's like one of my favorite guitarists like you know 108 inside out uh and you know again everything in between and i've also liked bands like rorschach and just I come from more of that background. I come from like the metalcore background, I guess. So just like finding little in betweens to just like throw in, just because it's like a little more exciting for me just to play. Like I, I don't care if anyone else likes it. Like if I like it, then that's all that matters to me. And uh, and obviously my bandmates, because I've definitely brought in some stupid riffs before. But um, yeah, just like it just kind of evolved into its own thing from there. I mean we would always go through phases be like, Oh, we're really into like listening to like a lot of heresy and ripcord and like the really fast, cool stuff. So we'll like kind of maybe bite this, this weird bridge or something, you know, and just like form it into our own. But it honestly depends on like the practice. Like we've been kind of slowly writing new songs now because the record took so long to come out uh, that is already vastly you know, uh, still a big laugh of like vastly different than what we've done before. It's just right. a natural progression just to like keep doing what we want to do. Well, I, I totally agree and hear all the different sounds that come together, especially on consume me to make this, what, what big laugh is so much so that I wrote a ridiculous review for the record <laughs> a few months ago. 
I saw it. It was sick. <laughs> uh, comparing you to Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks, which I don't know if anybody in your band is a sports fan at all, but I, think but I by, am. By proxy, like all of our outside, all of our fr- like friend group are very much Bucks fans. So like, good, I think just, good. you know, because they won, you know, so like we were all hanging out watching the Bucks games. I could not tell you <laughs> anything about basketball, but I remember one of our friends was like, yo, this is one of the greatest reviews I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I mean, the whole point of that, I mean, obviously to then, then, uh, then being funny was the, uh, was to talk about how, how many different sounds you guys got going on in here but it still sounds so cohesive and it, it all fits together and it doesn't sound like three different bands it sounds like one band with a lot of different ideas put together very well it's not like segregated track by track i don't feel like i'm listening to something different whether it's parts of the songs song to song it's that's that's what i re- one of the things i really enjoyed about it and it's kind of go 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 you know there's not it doesn't relent a whole lot and I mean, it's only like oh, what nineteen yeah. minutes, so that's kind of got to be that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you yeah, know, yeah. you know what? Pretty much my thoughts on the whole thing, but and and from what I've seen, it seems like it's been overwhelmingly positive. But for you, for for Big Laugh, what has what has the feed the feedback been on consuming? For every yeah, everything that I've seen, it's been like, uh, it's been great. To just like, like it's a, it's always been like either slightly above average or like up, like way up, like it's which is again that's a win in my book. I've <laughs> yeah. I've been in some bad bands, I'll, I'll, you know, for a while. So like, um, yeah, I've, I've, and what's really awesome is you know either if it's my peers, my friends, or just like random people that come up to us after shows or something like that. Like it's always like varying degrees of. Uh, of frames of reference, which I enjoy. That means I think for me, that means it's I'm doing what I set out to do. And that's like, uh, peak everyone's interests because mm-hmm. that's how I am. I'm, I like so much. I just like music in general. So yeah, incredible, incredible, positive reviews. Uh, we were even, I was goofing off with a friend and he was showing me that app crate and he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, let's, let's look at big left reviews. It's, it's just like, a straight up music review app thing and everyone on it i haven't I, at least i haven't seen a bad one because i'm like i kind of want to i, I want to see yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. i'll take constructive criticism you know um but yeah it's been it's been a very solid i've i haven't had one person tell me that it sucked so uh i think that's a win in my book <laughs> <laughs> it is and look look hardcore is i love hardcore i've, I've been a fan of hardcore for over 20 years you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it's it's not always easy to make a longer, I mean, we call it an LP. It's 19 minutes. You could pass it as an EP, right? But uh, <laughs> it's it's harder to make a long record good and interesting. Like it's, you know, there's there's so much, there's so fewer. I mean, I think people are getting better at it, especially right now. Uh, I feel like there's so many different things in the hardcore bucket. There's so many different tools and ways to play it that uh, people are getting better at it. Uh, I think older people like to complain about that, but whatever, that's their fucking problem. Um, but, but, but I, but anyway, I like, I like what you guys are doing, it, but tell me a little bit about not necessarily signing with revelation records, but the, the idea, the, if there was any 
pressure, the whole thing. Like you signed with one of the biggest record hardcore record labels that's ever been. What did that do for you guys? Like what was the internal? Was it, was it like, oh shit, we got to deliver now? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, going like right when the seven inch came out is when like it was kind of brought up because Adam who runs Rev HQ wanted just to interview us and mm-hmm. he interviewed us for a piece of no echo I want to say and then he immediately was like asked Pat from 11 p.m. if he can court us to do a record uh Drew being young uh who got the first who, who first got the call immediately told me be like oh dude we'll do an lp absolutely and i was like i fuck i've never made that much music in one go before like oh my god i gotta like i was like well yeah we should definitely do it like if anything like you know he has a genuine and you know adam's like become one of my good friends now and like he genuinely just like cares about us and likes us enough where he like always puts us up if he, if we ever needed it and but yeah like it uh it was such a grand gesture especially like literally like covid just hit like mm-hmm. everything was shut down i don't even know if i was going to be able to like play out again you know and uh right from the get go just be like oh yeah now i have to like deliver 20 to 25 minutes of music i was like <laughs> a little bit a little a little daunting and and, that, and i think that's why it took as long as it did Granted, again, with COVID, I think that helped with that window. Like, I was like, dude, just like sit, take a year, write it out, hash it out. We went through a lineup change around the same time, too. And he was just like, you know, just do it. Just do it because you're having fun. Don't like think. He's like, we don't expect anything just besides you guys being genuine. And and so (laughs) being so like hit the ground running and then COVID hitting, it was like, okay, taking a step back and like letting letting some things ride out and uh i definitely know a lot more about the process of actually putting out a full-length record where i'm like okay i definitely want to like have a good amount of time to focus on it before putting another substantial release out because uh a lot of it was a bit bit skin of our teeth which i think we thrive in at times we thrive a little Mm -hmm. pressure behind us but um yeah it was it was such a jarring awesome experience like getting that call i was at work drew called me and he never calls me well he did but it but i thought it was for something bad so i'm like hey man are you okay (laughs) he's like yo what are you doing right now i'm like i'm at work he's like dude it's like adam just emailed pat and asked if he can like ask us to do a record i was like i'm like revelation he's like yeah i was like what (laughs) like that's insane but uh, it's been, yeah, absolutely rewarding experience. Like uh, from everyone who's ever put out a record, Pat and Adam, they're both awesome people. And uh, I couldn't have asked for anyone like else to do it, honestly, like because they've just been so kind. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you and uh, courteous and put money up for doing stuff that you know I, we couldn't do on our own mm-hmm. you know so um and they let us like have you know i think the term is like car watch to like just do whatever we want i thought that was really cool because uh i've never signed a contract or anything like that you know yeah. for us i big laugh this is like the first you know, podcast interview. We've done a few written interviews. Like, I don't, you know, really like I have a very active social media. We just got one. And so <laughs> we hate suits. And so we were just like, uh, what does it look like? Like, can we just see what it looks like before we like get into it? And been nothing but like, oh, dude, you know, anything you guys want, anything you think you want changed under, you know, like, yeah, it was a much more, uh, rewarding experience than it was like oh no we're screwed if we like screw this up yeah, yeah. so that is it's cool that you mentioned um i'm sorry i forget his name who did the other who did the seven inch too and just how how awesome it is when somebody's willing to, like revelation what was the other record 11 p.m is that the, 11 p.m yeah, yeah pat who runs that yeah it's just it's it's just uh like i've had the same experience with two labels on in my history too, that we're willing to put out something that me and my band did. And that's like, that's a huge thing. I mean, they're, they're it's a big, it's a total risk for them. Typically, you know, they, yeah. <laughs> they they're going to invest money in something that you, that you're going to create and kind of blindly too, you know, in the case of like, Hey, go write an LP and we'll put it out. And, and it is, I think some people, a lot of people in bands, especially when starting out, kind of feel like they're entitled to that and like that somebody should want to put out their shit. And like, especially now, it's not necessary. You can do it on your own, but it certainly does help, especially when you get the backing of someone like Revelation. I got to imagine that Revelation put you guys on a lot of people's map, right? Or a lot of people's... put You, wait, what, what, you know what I'm trying to say? Put you on... They put you on a pedestal, right? Yeah. Like, You're on that record label. So now people are going to 100% check you out. Did you notice that immediately upon like announcing the signing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because um, I think we kind of like finally got to like a comfortable place where we can announce that we're on Rev, even though I'll tell you what, we put Rev logos on everything as soon as we signed the damn contracts. But uh, yeah, like as soon as we got to announce, I mean, because like Revelation is like, a very much established label for like you know freaking like decades mm-hmm. and um i think it was also mutual too because uh i mean i think 
I think for the most part, the records they've put out recently too, like the past, like, you know, five, six years have all been fairly relevant too, which is like, it, it's, I, it's tough for a label to stay relevant, you mm-hmm. know, and, and they've gotten, they've gotten some awesome successes and like, so it was like an opportunity on thing on both ends to like, like for Rev to finally exercise, like being able to look into what's actually happening now instead of constantly like, you know, trying to thrive off just repressing those amazing classic records that they always do. But also, yeah, like putting us in the radar of people who like maybe don't have uh, access to what's going on in the Midwest right now or like right. Uh, the more, you know, I feel like as weird as it sounds in, in some other places like a, the punk hardcore divide does exist in places but oh, we've been yeah. a band that's successfully i think has been able to bridge the gap pretty well and uh <clears throat> but yeah it was just like immediately like either it's the the 40 year old dude who's like just been listening to the class stuff for his whole life and you know getting turned on to us or even just young kids who like have access to Spotify and like, you know, use it, use it much more fluently than I do and, you know, get turned on to us. Like, uh, yeah, just having that like awesome, like solid backing of, uh, of that label has been like, you know, tremendous. I mean, because of that, we got to play Sound and Fury, which I think is crazy to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exposure you know it does a lot of obviously i mean i know that's not that's it's kind of a no no shit comment no shit comment but you know it's <laughs> the, the exposure uh from someone like revelation is gonna obviously help you just mentioned playing sound and fury the u.s hardcore fest circuit whatever we're gonna call it is like a like i've watched it become like this big thing where it feels like there is every state has one I, they're kind of happening all the time. Mm-hmm. What? How? How much do does Big Laugh value playing those shows? Because I feel like, and I'll, before, and I'm sorry, I, I, I would say my little thing about it because I feel like it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing for bands. But I don't know. But but so for, from Big Laugh's perspective, what's your, how do you handle that? Um, I think, I think collectively I could comfortably say that, uh, it's not something that's like super high on a priority list. Like, uh, it is really cool to do. And like Sound and Fury was one. It was like, what I really enjoy about Sound and Fury is, especially when we played last year is all of those bands were like relevant, contemporary, like happening now. And Mm -hmm. I like that's something that I feel like a lot of fests, like, I don't want to say struggle with, but it's just like, you know, in like 20, you know, 13 through 18, I feel like it was just constantly like the same bands over and over again. And then like five legacy bands and then like a reunion set by a band that's never like hasn't played in 20 years. And excuse me. And, uh, and it just, I feel like it, I definitely knew a group of kids that would like, and I'm sure it happened in every city that wouldn't even go to local shows and like, mm. wouldn't even support their own local scene. Cause they would just wait and go see all these crazy bands, buy up all their merch. It's, it's just like for a while, I felt it was very separated, like the fest circuit and then like the local scenes. But, uh, 
there are a few glaring exceptions. I think it's died down a bit too. I think some, I think like there's actually bands that like get thrown on the fest, but they still like tour. Like I feel like a band should. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think we value it very highly. Um, I always, any show offer high, you know, playing a huge fest or playing some bar down the street. Like I, I, you know, we talk about it, see if we want to do it and uh, decide from there. But uh, yeah, like I think besides playing sound and fury, I, I think we just, we like to play in, you know, clubs or like basements, you know, like I think we're just, I like the more intimate aspect of uh, playing to people who like, you know, paid to come see us and not just to like, it's just a little bit, it just makes more sense to me. I guess maybe that's a romantic in me, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, I just, it's cool to do once or twice, but I just, I, I don't, I would never, I don't think we'd ever go past like once or twice in our career to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the thing that I think is interesting about it is like, if you don't do it, I mean, I think every band sh- should do it spar- sparringly, though, like because because you don't want to be the bands that are because if you look at some of these lineups and it's the same bands, same group, the same handful of bands on all of them, and that makes it so much less interesting to me. But I don't know. I don't. I'm not, I'm not saying this like I have any answers or solutions or what should or shouldn't <laughs> be. I'm just. I was just thinking about it earlier, and I was thinking about you guys specifically and. I thought that might be a good question for you, where you put it on your priority list. And it seems to be probably about where it should be. Yeah. Like it exists. And like, that's cool. Like, and I think, I think there's a place for, I think there's a place for both. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, and like, and everyone at Sound of Fury who runs that, like, we're so nice. Like mm-hmm. I was shitting bricks when we got up on stage to, you know, to do line check and stuff. And I was like, even if even just playing third, I've just I've never done anything to that magnitude. I don't think any of us have. Yeah. They were so nice, so cool, and I actually had I was way less nervous once I met them, and they were yeah. And the fest was fun, and I got to see a bunch of people I haven't seen in a while, or you know, because right before that, the December before that, we just did a West Coast tour, mm-hmm. so I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. So yeah, it was a rewarding experience, and I'm glad that my first like big fest experience was good because then that way it's like all right so if we never do another one again yeah you kind of knocked it out with the biggest one yeah Uh, that's that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah you're not going to hear me say that i don't think fests are cool i do i used to go to them too and i think they're i i I do see the total value and i and i I know how much fun they can be and but you know it's just there's there's from me sitting here on my ass i just see so many now that it seems constant more announcements yeah. more fest in another city yeah it seems like there used to it seems like there used to be a season that doesn't exist anymore but no, we, we could we can move off of that and i want you to tell me a little bit about uh the milwaukee hardcore scene because i don't know shit about it so tell me about that what do you guys got how's it going there oh, at this point it it is like oh it's it's like it's 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 so sick i love my i love <laughs> I couldn't my tell city. where you're gonna go i couldn't tell if this was discussed or <laughs> no no i i love my city. i've i've moved away from here well the midwest twice and it i've only lasted a year i always moved back and 
I've I've never been more proud and like stoked to be from the four one four. Like you like you have you know we're an hour and a half from Chicago, so like we also get crossover from them too, just because our bands are cool. Like and we have punk bands we have hardcore bands we have bands in between like like big laugh um there's another really awesome band called world i hate they're like my homies they're like kind of kind of power violence kind of hardcore uh and then you got like the heavier bands like reality check enervate uh slow panics even a little bit more metal like and and then you got like the punk bands like uh our former drummer leo he runs this label called Unlawful Assembly, and it's like just super solid, straightforward, like punk, like hardcore punk music, organism, uh, innuendo. And he puts out like a ton of cool bands that like I feel like uh, deserve, yeah, deserve the Leo treatment because he's very mm-hmm. particular and he executes greatly. And uh, and everyone goes to each other's shows. Like there's no like there used to definitely be a weird like no crossover you know just punk shows just hardcore shows just punk kids just hardcore kids but like everyone goes to each other's shows it doesn't matter anymore like we all like the same things and even now so when we we played our record release show and i could tell you i maybe knew for 50 percent of the people there Mm -hmm. um so it's just like a bunch of kids just getting into music through, I assume like social media and stuff and just going to shows. That's what the cool thing about Milwaukee though, like kids don't, I feel like I've noticed kids just going to shows because it's just a punk show. They're not like a nerd like me. That's like, Oh, like I, I know way too much about bands and like records and stuff. So it's just cool that like, there's just a, like a all encompassing enthusiasm right now. And like we, you know, uh, a, a couple of friends of mine do like a little su- local, local only sort of like summer jam with a few like cool bands to, to, you know, spice it up. And we like sell out, you know, the local venue, which I think at the time is, it's like a 300 cap, like just, mm-hmm. just all the time we sell out, we, we sell out just like shows of, of all calibers. And it's, uh, it's, it's my favorite like era right now. It's that's very, very like, cool, and I'm sure I'm sure you know that sometimes that stuff disappears out of nowhere too. Oh, like I've, oh, I've seen it, I've seen it in cities where, where I lived in Pennsylvania. We had a thing, and uh, then and then when I was in Baltimore for a time, it was going down there, and then it just wasn't. And then yeah. you know, same thing here in South Central Pennsylvania. We had this great venue. It was for a couple of years. It was just like bands that you never imagine will be coming here, and it was constant. It was all the time. And it became a place where bands wanted to play. And then one day it was gone. And it just, I don't, you know, you don't know how to explain it. It just stopped happening. And obviously there's a real reason, but so it's all, so obviously I'm just saying, <laughs> enjoy it, enjoy it while you can. Cause you and I both know it doesn't last forever. Oh, absolutely. I, I always say like, well, I hope like at least 30% of these kids are here next year. <laughs> like that's kind of, right. I'm like, cause I'm sure a lot of them just drop off. I'm, cause yeah, I've, I've seen the ups, many ups and downs of, uh, especially in Milwaukee because I've just lived here in and out over 10 years now. So, yeah. Well, you just, you mentioned a couple of times that you just finished a tour. That tour was with gel. I assume that's the one you're talking about the gel tour. Yeah. So that was uh, in January and February, right? Yes. Yeah. And they're a band that I think a lot of people consider to be 
like on the rise, like one of the, the, the one of the hot bands in the scene. That sounds so lame to say it that way, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like everybody's like gel and their next LP is going to be this thick. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what did you take away from playing with them each night and seeing how they're operating and what they're, what they got? Going um, hmm. That's, uh, that's an interesting question. What did I take away? I guess it took away that like, that like staying in your lane and just keeping doing what you're doing and just being like genuine and, but also setting like, just setting like good boundaries for yourself, I think is like awesome and incredible to like do, um, to be in a band that does that. Like, just like they, I was like nervous cause this was the first one where it was like, like booking agents were involved and like tail of buyers. And I like, again, <laughs> not great with suits or like, right. you know, that, that aspect of uh professional, I guess, <laughs> quote unquote touring. That wasn't just like us booking around tours. So um, I made like a little binder and an itinerary. <laughs> I printed it all out. I like did stuff for merch counts. Like my friend came on touring, like, you know, sort of the best visibilities did, did that stuff. And they, and they were like, yeah, yeah. We just kind of like, fly by the handle sometimes like we, we know we could do like probably a better job you don't know but he's like eh, whatever like it's we just like doing this because it's fun and and they were super genuine and awesome i miss them very much um but just yeah seeing like a uh, a band like that like really uh opened my eyes with like because again, I'm a little older, so like I don't always keep up with everything as much as I as I used to. But um, Anthony from Jell like has been um, had been, you know, we've been back and forth and finally getting something together, and I'm I'm glad it happened. It was it was very cool to see uh, them kill it every night and like people just like of it's a lot of sometimes kids would be like, oh, this is my first show. Like, this is my first show because I heard about gel through, you know, such and such. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very cool. Uh, it's, I could, it's very tiring. I think they're just about to go on a European tour after, like in a couple days, like after they just played, uh, some fest in, I think Tacoma and then they played Canada. Like they, uh, that's something that I that I think us as a as big laugh like know that we we're we'd get too tired. I think after that <laughs> two and a half week tour, we're like exhausted. So, um, but yeah, like just taking away that like you can still just straight up do whatever you want. Like you don't have to cater to anyone, and like you could like truly just be yourself and um, still just like be big like or like be successful as a mm-hmm. band like i think that's it's reaffirming since i think that's the same thing with us like we've always kind of stayed in our lane and uh and like we've not had to like deal with any like nothing but like well well wishes and pra- you know praises for that so i think it's cool that like a band like gel can uh just yeah do whatever they want and uh and just be themselves and yeah, like people still stick to it. It's, it's crazy as people are clamoring for them. Yeah, they are. Well, speaking of, uh, of success, um, what is success for big laugh? Are you guys already there? Cause I think for a lot of bands, 
on LP or a lot of hardcore bands on LP on Revelation Records, that would be it. So <laughs> like to use a sports term, have the goalposts moved? Is there like what it, what is it now? Like um I it's tough. We're like in an interesting in between because like I said, like I guess now half the band are like a decade younger than 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 the other half and uh you know so there's like you know uh things about maybe school going back to school going to college and things like that and i do know that the goalpost moved in terms of us wanting to sit and actually write a uh a, a record and write just write more music and just keep um exploring that i think Mm -hmm. we've always been more of a band that really champions the writing process more than like like playing shows and stuff even though we also very much love playing shows like one of my favorite things is the 15 to 20 minutes of on stage with my four best friends you know three best friends and Mm -hmm. uh being able to do that every you know what we do and but yeah i think i think it has i think i think a lot of possibilities are open and uh I just know that we are all really excited to like start writing even, you know, more uh, weirder <laughs> uh, hardcore punk music that like that it just appeals to us and like executing it. Like, like I said, the LP was a, you know, a, a, a big learning process and how it works and like what we want out of writing music and and recording and having something like cohesive so uh, i think that's been like a big thing we're really stoked on doing <laughs> consume me came out february 10th is that the right date something yeah. like that Pretty yeah close before we talk about future stuff tell me a little bit about what what was i don't know how to phrase this correctly in past tense what was like the most exciting part of that release for you I think honestly, like seeing like seeing like the f- like the the beginnings of the finished product because it really was like a year and a half of like blood, sweat, and tears that went into that record. Like, just we're all we're all like uh, we all have our own stuff outside of it, and. Um, you know, there were times where we thought we weren't going to be a band anymore, doing a lineup change, you know, taking a chance on that and it, it finally being like, okay, we can do this. And sometimes writing was like, we, we, we got into fights, we, you know, like there was so much like, just like communications that like happened good and bad that like, I think, just shows itself on how we presented the record. And so to see that as like a capsule in time where it was like very strange, like we were all going through like a pandemic and people, people close to us um, losing their lives because of it or because of like the state of things because of the pandemic and uh, dealing with a lot of our own mental health and me, the biggest, obviously most talking about me, but um yeah like just just seeing all of that all of that energy put into a record and then like seeing like a mock-up adam's like all right does this look good to you and i was like wow like we we fucking 
did it. Like it's so close. And like everyone that was involved was like literally like, like in like invested in it. Like we actually had an uh, uh, Augie who does art for a lot of our stuff. He did art on the seven inch. He's done many shirts and did the art on the LP. You know, he sent us something that he was like experimenting with. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, and then I remember we, we like had a phone call. It's like, Hey, I don't feel good about giving you this. I want to give you something that like makes sense. And I want to give you something like that, like is from me to you. And I was like, dude, yes. Like I would rather have you do something that you're proud of. And that like, it shows that you're invested in than like giving us something. And it's like, yeah, there, there it is. You know, whatever. So it's just like everyone involved was super invested and it just, it became more than just us like writing a record. It just became like, us being closer as friends uh more than even more than just bandmates which like i said like um we were friends before it's just you know different people got involved so getting close with you know my new bandmates and and uh it just it i think it it we set up we set up we actually executed it and just like the journey uh made it all worth it. it you know it like we came out of it like better people i think i know that's like maybe cheesy or like cliche to say i'm just like writing and recording a record over the course of uh, a year and a half but like uh it was i learned a lot about like myself and then the process and then like what we yeah what we wanted even in the future like i think that's something we're always doing is constantly thinking about like oh what should we do next like because we're just we get so excited mm-hmm. um about things like that but yeah, like the, the best process was just honestly the entirety of the journey. Also like hanging out with Matt who recorded us for six days. He's like been one of my friends for a very long time. Uh, antics were abound <laughs> for like those six days staying with him and, and recording and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, that was definitely my favorite part is definitely being in the studio and goofing off and, and being dumb and having fun and, <laughs> well, I, I like like every part of that answer because I'll tell you, I, and there was not really anything that was cliche about it because I asked that question a lot in various different ways. But, you know, like, and I've done this hundreds of episodes. So <laughs> uh, usually, typically, people just go, ah, I'm just excited for people to hear it. You know, yeah, that was yeah. that was it. Like, and it's, <laughs> and it's a total like... And it's that's that's a fine and real answer, right? But it's usually that's usually some like type of uh, looking for validation, self-serving kind of thing. Well, what you're saying is more of an introspective and like and like really like enjoying it, and that's that's way cooler. Wrap it up on this one then, because you talked about writing already for future stuff. You don't need to go into detail there, but just speaking of the future for Big Laugh, what is ahead in 2023? We actually just met up um, the other day to, to, to like sort of solidify like uh, strings of dates here and there. Um, so right before the gel tour, we finally bought a van. <laughs> and uh, so now we have a van and we're ready to go. And we really wanted to go as hard as we can this year with like um, more, uh, what's the word I want to use? More like focused runs just because... Uh, we haven't done that in a while. Usually we would just go rampant, go to for a couple weeks, three weeks. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I think right now in between just like writing stuff, 
just like when we can, when we're just jamming. Um, we're going to try to, we have a couple local shows lined up here and there. Um, we're going to do something out West, hopefully in April. Um, we're going to also, we're going to try to hit the coast again this year. We haven't hit the East coast since last summer. So trying to do that in like, I think we said July and then, uh, we might leave and go to go across the pond somewhere. Hopefully if it works out, uh, in the, in the early, in the late fall, early winter. Nice. So just like every couple of months we go out for a week and a half or so, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, we all have like, well, three quarters of us have like real jobs. So, uh, <laughs> luckily jury just, is, he gets the tattoo, which is sick. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh yeah so just like just staying consistent instead of just like putting all our eggs in one basket on a tour like i think that's kind of what defeats us defeated us the last time when we did three weeks you know and not last summer the december before that just killed us because we've that's a lot of time to be together in a very little van so yeah um yeah just like focused little focused tours Hit spots we haven't played in a while or before, and uh, and kind of go from there and see what happens. Um, we've gotten a few offers for other stuff, but we're always fielding stuff out just to make sure we can actually do. Because for us, it's just about having fun. I don't like, mm-hmm. I don't. Again, I don't really feel the need to uh, to appeal to anyone but ourselves. So um, if it's like fun and it looks it looks cool, um, I'm excited.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Zach of Big Laugh. And the song you just heard was Shadow Figure, of course, from Big Laugh, off of their new album, Consume Me on Revelation Records, available everywhere. Now go pick up a copy from your local store. Try your CVS. Try your Rite Aids. It's not going to be there, but it's the effort and thought that counts. And then go to a record store and pick it up properly like you should have done in the first place. Don't get your advice on where to buy records from a guy on a podcast halfway across the country. I'm assuming your location. I don't know where you're at, but could be anywhere, I guess. Could be in another country. And uh, that's very cool to think about. I don't know why you people listen to this, but I'm glad you do. I'm glad you hear me uh, talk to people like Zach because he was a very nice guy. And sometimes that's not so obvious, but immediately. A warm fellow, I should say. Maybe that's just that Milwaukee charm. But anyway, again, thanks to Zach. Thanks to Big Laugh for a great record. Thanks to you for listening this far along. Please make sure you go into gettingitout.net every waking hour, every waking minute of every single day. And probably you should be doing that in your sleep too. Lots going on there. I just premiered a new music video from Lotus Thrones called Roses. You can check that out. You can check out the weekly tour and festival wrap up, which I'm surely missing stuff on. But hey, I do the best I can. And today, Friday, there will be the new release post. Go find out what's new and what you should listen to. There's always something we're all going to miss, but you're going to miss it for sure without my help. That's going to be it for this one. So what do you say we end this with a track from Grindcore Legends Phobia? The track is called Death to Leeches. It's brought to you, us, me, all of you, by Willowtip Records. I'm not sure if it's part of a new release in the near future, but I am positive it's here now. I played a clip from it on a recent episode with Off With Their Heads, but here it is, the full track, Death to Leeches, by Orange County Grindcore Kings Phobia. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.